This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution. Good morning, (laughs) class. So nice of you to join us. Well, welcome to uh, Galatians, part two. As you know, we have uh, had a lot going on in the country. This this uh, past week, so it's one of those mornings where you kind of, as a pastor, you kind of go like, you know, do I really want to? Do I really want to skip today? Um, and, and kind of, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a tough place because we we have, uh, become quite a divided country. And so as, as a pastor, as, as, as someone who does grace, you know, it's funny, I often see these these tweets that says, if your pastor doesn't talk about this on Sunday, then you need to find a new church. And I'm always like, I wish that person was a pastor and felt that pressure. Um, <laughs> like, like, thanks. Appreciate for telling me what I'm going to talk about on Sunday. Um, don't have to figure that out now. But yeah, so as as someone who's spent their life trying to talk about grace and get away from... <sighs> empty religious zeal um, and and passionate about people with different opinions communicating with one another mm-hmm. it's um it's really tough to to see what's happening in this country and I think in a lot of churches today you'd probably go in and, and, and hear sermons that were you know, right-based or left-based and with kind of an agenda. And I just want to continue to to say that revolution for me um, is, is a place where we learn to discuss things well and uh, disagree well, you know. Um, so... I do believe in in peace. I do believe in in communicating well. I do believe in uh, in this type of thing. So I, you know, that's what what I'm going to try to talk about today, um, and try to leave. And I'm not going to leave my opinions out. I never I never do. Um, but just kind of talk about a few things. We're going to go through Galatians two today, and I think it's it's probably a pretty appropriate. Maybe Galatians four would have been better, but mm-hmm. two is still something I think is important for us to go through and discuss. And so we're going to do that today, um, especially because a lot of what comes out of two Galatians 2 is um, there was a lot of conflict in Jerusalem between Jewish Christians and Greek Christians. And if they could be, if Greek Christians were really included within in Christianity. And, um, and Paul is really playing a big part of, of bringing Greek Christians into this. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about that, but 
first, I mean, I, I, I'm going to just talk about some things that are on my mind and on my heart and, and just, you know, I, I've spent a ton of this week. And the thing about for me is being in and having, being, having, being empathetic and being, uh, also extremely introverted, everything kind of hits me at once. And so I think when I first saw the, I guess they're calling it an insurrection now, um, maybe Pete will sell more books. I don't know. Um, but I think they're calling it an insurrection now. And, um, the first thing that came to my mind was, was all the, the protests that were happening in, 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 in Minneapolis. Now, the, th- the thing for me to say here is that I, I think it could be dangerous to get into a comparing the two uh, in, in any major details. I think there's some small details we can look at. Um, but, you know, I think they both have different goals and different outcomes. But it's also people who are who are hurt and don't feel heard and feel misunderstood. And, um, you know, Martin Luther King said that a riot is the language of the unheard. And so what are, what are people saying through these things? And I think they're saying different things, but I think it's still people who are saying, I don't feel heard, I don't feel seen. Now, do I think there's people with hate and with agendas that are beyond that? Yes, I do, obviously. Um, but I think majority-wise of this country is a lot of people don't feel heard. And so I think for me, this is when grace and works kind of become hand-in-hand. And I think works just naturally flow from grace, but still the concept of living a life of grace, living a life of compassion, living a life of accepting others uh, becomes tough uh, when you're in a divided country. Uh, if you, I think of places like Belfast, you can't see it, but I wore my stiff little fingers shirt today and a band from Belfast. And one of the things I loved about uh, this punk band in Belfast is they were, um, the war was, you know, pretty much between Protestants and Catholics. And in the band, they were Protestants and Catholics. Right, yeah. And they refused to to take a side. They refused, the band just, they had a band, they had a song called Wasted Life, where basically they're talking about how both sides are asking them to join. And that they're not going to waste their life because this isn't their war, this isn't their conflict, that there's something beyond that. Um, there's another way. And to me, that that speaks very loudly to me um, because I, I honestly don't feel comfortable Democrat or Republican, um, you know. So that that's something for me that, to, that, that really draws me in is this idea of I'm not going to waste my life here. Um, and, but by doing that, they, they, they didn't say that, you know, they were neutral or that they were going to be spewed from the mouth of God or anything like that. I think what they were saying was is that we're above this. We're beyond this. And we are creating a community that wants to be a community of punk rockers who don't care, you know, uh, you know, might care about these issues, but we care about each other more than these issues. And the, our, 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 our community is more valuable. The punk community is more valuable than, than, than these laws and then these differences. And um, it's funny because some people accused this band of, of taking advantage of the troubles and using the troubles to make themselves famous. Um, but for what, for me, I thought they were the most dangerous punk band in the world because they were telling two enemies that were very dangerous 
that they didn't want anything to do with them. So when you become the enemy to two different enemies, almost they, you almost give them a reason to work together. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm trying to do here is get everybody mad. Equal opportunist. Um, <laughs> but when grace becomes works, you know, so we are a divided country. And I think one of the things to think about is, is what we have is we have people from two different worlds who are somewhat talking past one another. And our anger is not something that's going to necessarily change the other. I think anger is important. I think like John Lydon says, anger is an energy in in that PIL song. But I, I also think that, you know, it's important not to make decisions when you're angry. And sometimes if you want to argue well, anger needs to kind of, be you know so i think we all need time to settle time to tip with us so for me when this all hit me i was thinking of everything that happened i'm like man i'm like just in the past five months i saw or six months i saw my local police station burned to the ground you know but thank god there were no lives lost because the police abandoned the station you know and i saw half my neighborhood burnt down you know and and, and i saw you know all this horrible stuff happened because of the horrific murder of george floyd um, and to continue to see these things happen and then wake up and then see the Capitol being attacked. Um, probably not my favorite place in the world. I, I have a lot, a lot of, I think the senators are, don't get much accomplished and are probably one of our biggest problems in this country, Republican and Democrat senators. Um, and I think that's been made obvious in the past few months. Yeah. But, but this this just this idea of of just this unrest of this riot of this anger of this extreme anger that's uh, is requiring violence now i've also grown up nonviolent not grown up nonviolent but i've i've adopted a lot of nonviolence from my readings of of, of dr king and, and gandhi and things like that so i i don't feel like violence is ever my thing i i want to push or, or or yeah you know i mean I'm a nonviolent person, but so I was just trying to uh, really at the beginning, trying to understand this. And I kind of reached out to a few people and everybody was angry in a different way is what I realized, you know? So it was hard to have one of those like empathetic conversations of like, I'm just overwhelmed because I feel like, you know, this country's going crazy. You know, it it was just one of those things where I realized I had to just kind of sit with myself and, and take that in. I was also trying to parent my kids for the past few days. And Mm. luckily they haven't seen any of that stuff on TV. So we haven't had to have any really tough talks at this point. Like we did during the, uh, uh, <clears throat> the, the uprising with some call in, in Minnesota, yeah. but here we are. And it's hard to understand the other when we, we live in different worlds because we're seen through completely different lenses. And so it's hard to understand that, but I think that's a good place to start is when we go like, all right, these folks are seen if I name one group, you know what I mean? If I, you know, they they automatically have an idea in their brain that's going to be different than mine, right. you know? And so if I name a different group of, of conservatives or, or, or Democrats or, you know, that we know, that we're all familiar with, we're all, we're all going to be thinking very differently because we're very separated and we just live in two completely different worlds. Mm-hmm. And how do we bring those worlds together? I, I I'm not sure yet. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, you've come for answers, that's not what I'm here to, to, to probably deliver today. Um, I think maybe direction is a better word for what we're looking for. And plus, I mean, right now with social media, we're on social media, everybody has an opinion. 
And so it's it's so hard to be like, you know, you hear one opinion and then you hear, oh, this is coming up and then you hear this news and there's a lot of false narratives and there's a lot of true narratives and, it, and it's hard to separate the two. I mean, I was sitting thinking like, did I hear that on the news or did I hear that? Was that a tweet? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. To the point where it starts yeah. to get to get uh, blurred, blurred. Yeah, the lines start to get blurred. And so you kind of have to really work hard on having uh, critical, critical thinking. Yeah. And um, working through the mess. The news even cites Twitter as sources. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, they'll put up like a Twitter picture. Yeah. Like Billy Joe mm-hmm. says. Yeah. I'm not the guy from Green Day, but that's just the name that came <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about, you know, like social media. And to the ideas that, you know, a lot of people have been praising social media because Donald Trump has been taken off social media. Um, but I also think about social media and I think about like how social media is capitalizing right now off of getting really these people are becoming billionaires off of our discord and, 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 and zeal, you know, and, and us being like angry and having that rather than having those few minutes or those few days to think about it, just automatically get out there. And so I think social, social media is definitely a double-edged sword. And I think it's important to think about that. It's also very much a capitalist system in this country. And, um, and it, it's it's at this point, I think, probably doing us doing us a lot of harm um, and creating a lot of division. So I think it's important to just remember how this this all like, you know, I, I, I just think it's so easy to do other the other to be like, there's the good guys. There's the bad guys. There's the good. But in our world, in our country right now, we obviously see that changing from day to day. Like what's OK? What's not OK? Mm-hmm. Where can I social distance? Where do I not have to social distance? You know, I mean, I oh, well, I, I can go to this rally because I like it. And so I'm a safe there. But, it, oh, look at these crazy Christians going out here doing this praise and worship. You know, I mean, we all just have our different ideas. And to think that they're not politically influenced or media influenced is crazy. And, and I think to be just so influenced by social media is, is a dangerous it's a dangerous road, sure. even by media. You know, I mean, I, I and I can say that because I grew up with my family being under this, this, this microscope of the media. And I remember seeing how many things I'm like, well, that's not true. Or that's got a little bit of truth to it, but then they've taken it and gone into this weird direction with it and seeing how that gets manipulated. So it, it's very hard to have trust for the media. I mean, that's why my dad won't even give an interview to anyone anymore because he just doesn't trust the media. And, um, and I understand that, you know, um, quickly, I, I think that, um, the current-ish shift of the kind of marrying of um, social media with traditional media um, has a very, very dangerous sense of urgency to it. It's like, oh, this just came out. So-and-so just said this. And so it, it, it acts as an even more drastic call to arms to those who are so... Uh, easily influenced by party politics that are expressed over social media. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and you know, and we have very different things happening right now. But we also have COVID, which has also, I think, got us all already on the edges of our seat. We're all been, most of us have been stuck in our homes and are tired and, and, and want to go back to life. I mean, who wouldn't like to just go see a movie again, you know, or or, you know, 
walk in the park without wondering, like, am I being judged for my mask or not mm. having a mask or did my mask fall below my nose? I mean, just simple things like that. that you know, we're a lot of us with children are stuck in the house with kids and, and, and no place to go. So we're all under a, quite a lot of stress. Right. So I think it's just kind of reminding ourselves, and this is almost like a therapy session, reminding ourselves that it's okay to rest. It's okay to take time off of social media. It's okay to just think clearly. It's okay to be angry um, it's okay to meditate, you know, it, it, it's, it, these things are okay to do, but critical thinking, I also think is very important. And I, I've had people push back on me before with critical thinking, say, well, critical thinking is something you have to learn to do. And I agree that critical thinking is a skill, but I also think I've seen so many of you here who start to think critically in different areas of your life that you may have not been comfortable with before you started attending revolution. And I've seen a change happen. So I don't think it's something that you have to get a PhD for, you know, I just think it's a way of we have to kind of remind ourselves, am I looking at this from each, both sides? Am I looking at this, uh, you know, what's my agenda here? And and am I willing to be wrong? Mm, mm -hmm, So those are hard things to see, especially right now. Um, And and just to make it clear, I'm not hitting on just one subject right now. I'm just talking about that in general. Um. One of the things that, that I do want to say that, that, you know, something that I find that's a bit hypo- the hypocrisy that we have, and sometimes we don't realize that we have hypocrisy and that we're being hypocrites, especially when we're pointing out hypocrisies. Um, because I think for a lot of us, what makes us angry is hypocrisy. You know, um, you know for me, it's like, uh, not too long ago, a pastor came out that he was having an affair and all this stuff. And to be honest with you, it's like, I don't know what him and his wife have agreed to or what they don't do or anything. And that wasn't what made me so much angry was it. What made me angry was, is this is a pastor who was telling people don't have sex outside of marriage. This was a pastor telling gay people that they can never be married and they can never have sex and they can never, right. you know, share that intimacy together. And so for me, I was like, it's the hypocrisy that bothers me more then then like oh they sinned or they messed up or they did something they weren't supposed to yeah you know we all do that we all fail we all make mistakes and i think in this world of social media that's tough too because what happens if someone's videotaping your mistake or your meltdown you know is your whole life marked by that mm. um one of the things that's been cool is that i just you know read an article about about um, elton john is doing a musical on my mom I, i'm and it's fantastic but one of the reasons it's so fantastic is in some ways it seems redemptive because it's like, okay, the media doesn't get the last word. You know, um, mm. the scandal doesn't get the last word. You know, somebody's doing something positive. It might be silly and hokey, but somebody's, you know, someone else is getting the last word, and that's nice. And I think everybody kind of hopes for redemption and wants redemption. Um, the, 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 the idea where grace comes into play is, are we giving redemption to others? Are we willing to redeem others? And that's why I always come back to nonviolence. That's why I always come back to Martin Luther King. Everybody sometimes says, oh, well, just you can't just share the soft stuff. But the soft stuff is amazing stuff, too, and it's not really that soft. It, it, you might think it's soft, but it's not. You know, the reason King didn't cancel people is because he knew he was trying to change the world and create a movement. And the movement never goes, it's too late to join. You've already decided where you stand. You know, they don't do that because the movement wants to grow. It wants to change. It wants to affect the whole world. It wants to lead people to repentance. And all repentance means is a change of mind or a change of direction. So that's what makes nonviolence so powerful is that it's never 
the enemy is never beyond redemption. And that's what makes grace so powerful is grace is saying it's grace is always available. Mm-hmm. So these two things work together. Now, we don't even have to look at this in a religious way. Just look at this in the standard of trying to grow a, a, a company or grow a, a, a group or grow, you know, a community is that if you want more people in your community, it's eventually you're hoping to draw people in, even those who may have disagreed with you eventually to come and be with you. So that's why it's important. We want people to be not be heterosexist or as some people say, homophobic, you know, we want to see them change and we want to see them join and we want to see them at the pride parade. You know what I mean? That's, we want to see that because we want to see the world change. We want to, mm-hmm. you know, so when you say the world change, that also means people and yeah. people you disagree with and even your enemies, mm-hmm. you know, I think the point of having an enemy is not to destroy them and kill them or to hate them. It is to lead them to a new way of thinking. Usually relational. You know, yeah. And that, and that's how it works yeah. is through relations. And, yeah. and, 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 um, and that's where the hard part is because it's easier to make a sign and go out and march. Not that that's, that's, that's to be taken for granted, but it's harder to say, I'm going to sit down with this person and have a conversation, you know? And that's why I, we, I think loving your enemies is so important. Now I'm going to try to get to Galatians two because that's what we're do- talking about today. But I did want to use one example that I, I I've seen just on TV is, um, on TV, I don't really watch that much TV. <laughs> on, on a screen. On a screen. I saw it on a screen <laughs> uh-huh. with stuff that traveled through the air and came <laughs> into my phone. Um, and this is not me deciding with who's right or wrong on this. On this. On on this. As far as this person was maced, and this woman was maced at the at the at this at the uh, insurrection, and. I've seen a lot of people make funny videos of this woman who was maced, you know, and, and making fun of her about how she's reacting to it and that she's not happy about it. And somebody even said a song to it, like an Animaniacs song to it from Animaniacs. And then she's like, and I got maced or something like that. You know, and it's a, a meme and it's funny and whatever. But but the idea is, is we've also like I live in Seattle where, you know, they've tried to outlaw pepper spray because it seems to be a very harsh way to treat people and spraying people in the eyes right. no matter where you stand on it. But it's it's funny to me is the same people who are fighting against pepper spray being used on them are laughing at pepper spraying being used on the other, on their enemy, on somebody that they don't agree with. And they're like, yeah, suck it up. This is how it goes. Now, the thing is, is where this becomes dangerous is, is it's when we start to, to say there's an exception to how others are treated, if they don't agree with me, then, then, then they don't have to live by my standards, then, I, I, you know, then pep, pepper spray them. Not only do we become the hypocrites yeah. with that, but we start to get into the mindset of war. And the mindset of war is that I don't want to be killed, so I'm going to kill you first. There's no more redemption there's no more change, and there's no more grace. So when we mock others as they're suffering and say, oh, they should have killed them, or they should have done this, or they, oh, yeah, they got what they deserved, you know, we're thinking as soldiers now. We're no longer thinking as people who live in a country together. We're thinking like soldiers. And it becomes revenge. And then we start to lose humanity. And I really believe that, for me, what Jesus saw and what Paul saw and these things was calling people human. You know, like this, you know, when the woman's committed and caught in the middle of adultery, he humanizes her. He does mm-hmm. not make defame her. He doesn't mock her. 
Make her property. You know, he doesn't say, oh, well, now she's this and much better. No, he just says this is a human being. You know, when the woman at the well, he recognizes as a human, as someone who's important and has value. And so those are, those are big, big things. So I think what we have to be careful of is, is you know, mar- you know, when we go, start to go into the war or when we start to repeat the actions of our own enemies, um, when we start to do the exact same thing, I think a lot of people said, well, why are you giving left, the left such a hard time, Christian leftists or woke Christians such a hard time? And I'm like, well, I just see them repeating some of the things that the Christian right did in the 90s and how they, they virtue signaled and they said, well, you can't be a Christian if A, B, or C. And so all of a sudden they were re- just using the same weaponry against the other. And this is not how you solve something. This is not that. I don't know if true revolution does come through bloodshed, like a lot of people have said. Maybe it does, and maybe we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. But you know, but right now, I think if we want real change, things to actually revolve and change and almost repent, it comes through loving the other, communicating with the other. And realizing we're in two different worlds, this is going to take a lot of work. This is going to take a lot of communication. I'm not just going to have to get angry about this, but I'm going to have to talk to politicians. Laws will do definitely need to be changed. And people have to communicate these needs for these laws to be changed so we don't end up in a similar situation as before. Um, I'll give you one more example. Is, is, you know, I always thought it was funny when, you know, when you see people like kind of melt down over the mask thing in the, in the, in the stores. Um, but I had a kind of a change of heart recently as I saw this, this video of this woman and she was just losing her mind and she's in the middle of this thing and she doesn't want to wear a mask anymore and she's angry and she just doesn't know what to do. You know, and I started reading the comments and people were like, call the police on that bitch, you know, do this, blah, blah, blah. And all I could think was, is are we the same people who are asking for therapists and people who are familiar with therapy to be called when the police are called? Instead of the police showing up, maybe it's therapist. Like, here's obviously someone who's probably been teaching their kids at home, is tired, having a meltdown, and just wants to feel normal for a second. Now, they probably are conservative. I don't know. But she just has a meltdown. And it's like, you know what she needs is she needs somebody to talk to her. She needs somebody to listen. She's just snapped. She's just having a hard time. This is someone who's having a mental break and just can't live in this world anymore. And I, I think when we look at it that way, it's easier to empathize rather than to make fun of or to the point where we become so angry that we just don't even realize our own hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So those are the two things I kind of wanted to to, 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 to point out. And, and I had just some other things written down, but for time's sake, you know, we're already 30 minutes in. So I think we're going to try to look at this in a different way. Um. You know, and some people say, "Oh, Jay, are you have you taken the red pill?" I haven't taken the red pill. I'm actually really, really left. Just to let you know, I'm an anti-capitalist. I'm probably like flirting with Marxism. You know, I mean, I, I you know, if 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 that matters to you, just there you go. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I, you know, and there's one more thing I will say. Going back to the troubles in Belfast, um, and it's a quote from John John Hum Hume Hum. Uh, one of the peace, one of the people who helped bring the peace process, which is an amazing thing. I, I really r- recommend Googling the Good Friday Agreement and reading it. It's available online. It, it's really amazing how the peace process, you know, ended 
60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 40 years of war at least. Um, but, but why? <clears throat> one of the things he said, and I think this is why the stimulus check was he saw conservatives and Democrats like being like saying like this is bullshit and kind of agreeing together is one of the things he said is he goes, he says, you can't eat a flag was one of his quotes. You can't eat a flag. And so when it comes down to our basic human needs, um, something like that, you know, eating becomes something that we all have in common. And you can't eat the flag. You can't eat nationalism. You can't eat patriotism, mm-hmm. you know. So, Biblically, you have to feed someone's stomach before you can feed their souls. Yeah. So Galatians 2. This is going to be a long one today, folks. Sorry. We'll, 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 go, we'll rustle through some of the details. We'll, 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 we won't get too, too technical today. Galatians 2 says, Then 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barabbas. Not Barabbas. Barnabas. Barnabas. Yes, it's Barnabas. Bring us Barabbas. Barnabas. Give us Barabbas. Taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation. Then I laid before them the only private meeting with the acknowledged leaders. So he's with the folks who are some of the disciples. That the gospel that I preached proclaimed amongst the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised. Now, why Paul goes and meets with the disciples uh, is because there has been conflict in Jerusalem over Greek Christians and Jewish Christians. Now, Paul is already out teaching that Greeks can be Christians without converting to Judaism, without being circumcised and different things like that. So there's been conflict. Um, When Paul talks about running the race, and this is something that Paul talks about a lot, is when he says, well, I didn't want to make sure it wasn't run in vain, like everything he had done in bad. But for him, he, has, he had a lifetime goal. He had, a, he, had a, the lo- he had the long term in mind. It wasn't just right now. You know, it wasn't just like, we've got to, fit, we've got to solve this problem right now, which I, I feel like a lot of like social media does. I mean, imagine if we had spent all this, these, these months, you know, trying to figure out why kids were in cages, how to get them out of cages and do things like that. But no, something else came up and we got distracted and something else came up and get distracted. It's, it's like we live in a time of the great distraction. You know, the, the fact that we forget that children are being were separated from their own parents, no matter where you think that comes from. The fact is, is like children's suffering should be something that drives us all and unifies us all to change that. Um, and so Paul is here seeing that there's this issue and he has this long term plan of his life to bring all people into this faith, into this idea, to, to understand grace, and that grace is for everyone. So he's going to the disciples to talk to them. Now, interestingly enough, he goes, um, why does he bring up his Titus not being circumcised? Well, he goes, um, though he was not circumcised, though, he was uh, Greek. But because false believers secretly brought in who's someone who slipped in and to spy on our freedom we have in Christ Jesus. So they might enslave us. We did not submit to them even though at the moment or even though for a moment. So the truth of the gospel might always remain with you. And from those who were supposed to be acknowledged as leaders. So he's talking about other Christian leaders. 
What they actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. So one of the things he's saying is, is two very important things here is, one, we can see that even then there was the gotcha culture, the idea of, oh, this guy, Paul is traveling with this Greek Christian who hasn't been circumcised, and so he truly must not be a Christian. And Paul's going, no, this is our freedom in Christ. We're free in Christ. We don't have to be circumcised anymore. We don't, we don't have to worship on particular holidays. We don't have to do these things. It's not about works. It's about grace. You know, and so a group was like, well, if we come in and we catch him doing this or we catch him doing that. And how often do we see like, oh, did you hear about this politician or did you hear about this person or did you hear about this star? They did this, this and this because someone caught him doing it, you know. And Paul's just saying, no, I'm not going to give any power to that. What I also love is he says leaders or supposed leaders or because it goes, God shows no partiality. I think this is important because for me, this is the basis of one of the reasons why I argue with the Bible and I can disagree with the Bible is because it's written by human beings, it's written by people inspired by God to write something, but still, that God has no favorites and no partiality. And I think this is important to see when we're thinking of this great divide that's in our country, is that God isn't showing, you know, oh, he's on our side. He's on. Everybody thinks God's on their side. I mean, that's why we see people like, well, you can't be a Christian and be a Republican, or you can't be a Christian and be a Democrat. You know, it's like all of a sudden we've become the gatekeeper's of the faith, you know, and that's not grace. That's, that's an us and them thing. I mean, this is why Jesus said, love your enemies, be kind to those who persecute you. And he said, love each other. I really want you to love each other was the last thing he said to his disciples. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love each other, really love each other because he knew they're going to try to build a church and they're going to be divided and they're going to have different ideas. And if they don't really love each other, this is not going to be something that's even possible for these people to do. Because otherwise, they'll kill each other. They'll, they'll write each other off. They'll go away. They'll cancel one another. That's what they'll do. They will cancel them. And he's saying, don't you dare cancel one another. You go through this. You love one another. You build one another up. And even Paul at the end of Galatians says, you know, if you think you're too important to restore someone, you're only fooling yourself. There's no person that is that you are more important of or that you are better than that does not deserve of restoration. So that's a very powerful thing to think about. You know, so when Paul says he's, there's no respecter of men, he's not just saying of their authority, but he's also saying of their shame. You know, there, there's just, there's, there's just, God doesn't have these social levels that we like to put into place. <laughs> Forgive me, folks. I'm preaching. Um, So God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. Thanks, Paul. Um, I like. I love that this is a message about grace and is also a rebuke letter. Yeah. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel for the circumcised, for whom worked through Peter, making him the apostle of circumcision, also worked through me, making me the apostle of the Gentiles. Yeah, a little thing there. And when James and Cephas and John, who were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave to me uh, and Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship, agreeing that we should go into the Gentiles, and they, the circumcised, they asked only that we remember the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. So, 
you know, and I love that concept of Jesus said, the poor is always with you. And some people use that to write off the poor, but then, you know, you see here, it's like, no, the poor are always with you. So it's always going to be part of your job is, is helping those who are, are less than. And sometimes that's just not financially poor. Sometimes that's morally poor. Sometimes that's uh, just hurting and just pain, you know, especially in, in this world. I mean, sometimes it's physically poor people who are hungry and starving and need food and clothing and a place to live. And, uh, and, and so if we want to get political about something, maybe that's something to get political about. And, um, this is, this is tough work, folks. This is not easy work. I, I wish it was. Um, I wish there was a way to say it. I wish I could just type out something and have a really great tweet and change the world. But I, so far I haven't found one that does that. But when Cephas came to Anatoch, I had to pose him to his face because he stood self-condemned for until certain people came from James's. And I love this, how all of a sudden he just got the right hand of fellowship from James and Paul and every Peter. I mean, from Pe- Paul just got the right, you know, the go ahead from James and all these guys. He's like, I don't care about the thing, but just in case you do, they gave me the go ahead. And now he automatically goes into, now here's a big disagreement we all had. Um, so he, he, when he says Cephas, he's talking about Peter. So he's, he's basically saying, so when Peter came in, I had to oppose him to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back to the circumcision faction. Isn't that an interesting? Faction. Word of faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy. So that even Barnabas, who's his, Paul's travel mate, was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not actually consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you though a Jew like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? So right now, automatically, Paul goes into this conflict to show that there is conflict within our community. Um, there is hypocrisy that I had to point out. And this shows that Peter was being hypocritical based on the fact of where these people were born and how they were raised and what they believed. And because he was worried about what Jesus' brother James was going to think of him, so he compromised and all of a sudden didn't want to sit at the same table. Now, if this isn't a type of racism, if this isn't a type of anti bigotry, I mean, if it's not bigotry, I, I, it really is. Yes. You know, and, and so we see Peter, the rock, the foundation of what the church is going to be built on, practicing this hypocrisy. And when Paul confronts him, Paul doesn't confront him out of the fact of like, oh, he's just a bad person and we need to get rid of him and never listen to Peter again. No, he goes, Peter, let me remind you why we're here. You know, you are my friend and you are a human being and you are important to what our work is. You can't set us back like this. And they have a hard conversation and he confronts them. Now, why is Paul sharing this with us as Paul's trying to show us that these are that he's an equal with these men, mm-hmm. you know, because these leaders are coming along saying that Paul's not good enough. Paul's not willing to do the work. Paul's tickling your ears. Paul's not a real apostle. And he's showing that he's a real apostle. But through this, he's also showing that there was great conflict within the church. Mm-hmm. And there's always been great conflict within the church. And he's saying, this is how we dealt with it. I yes. confronted him. I went to him and said, what are you doing? Now, we don't hear how the story ends, but we can all guess is that there was reconciliation and that things changed. But the hypocrisy was so great that even Paul's 
person that Paula trained and worked with and talk about reading the, reaching the Gentiles and knew everything about Paul still was so nervous that James must have had so much more power than I think a lot of us realize uh, to, to, to intimidate Peter uh, to act against his own his own conviction um, and own words. Uh, you know, James must have been somewhat of an intimidator. I mean, I guess if you're the brother of Jesus, everybody's kind of like, oh, he's probably <laughs> yeah. got a corner on the truth. Um, but but this happens, and it happens in a way where there's communication, and they're saying, what does this gospel recommend? What does the gospel recognize in us? Is that we are all humans, that we all fall short, that we all make mistakes, that we all are do these things, that none of us are perfect, that none of us have arrived. It realizes that we're all human. And you can't do this where it's not that anymore, where someone has a special call or someone believes a special set of rules or someone has a special way of thinking that causes them to be elite. Mm. There is no elite in Christianity. Mm. There is no elite because this is a this is a faith and a religion of humanity. Right. And I think that's what we all miss. And I think we miss it because we've all been raised with the idea that, you know, die to your flesh and you're, you're sinful and you're bad and you're all this. And I don't think those are what they're saying. Mm. I don't think those are what those verses are saying or what they're meaning. And I think we've created this, this us and them mentality in, the Christ, in Christianity that has to be changed. It has to be repented from. It yes. has to go. If the church is going to survive, if the church is going to be reformed, then grace has to reform the church again. Yes. So to me, this is a very important thing. Um. We'll end here with uh, the end of, of Galatians 2. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified in faith in Christ. And not by doing the works that the law, because not one will be justified by the works of the law. No one's going to be justified by what they do or what they don't do. But if our effort is to be justified in Christ. We ourselves have been found to be sinners. Did you hear this? I'm going to read that again. But if our effort to be justified in Christ, so he's saying if we try to justify mm. ourselves to Christ by justifying what we do or what we don't do, it's, it's, it's useless. It's simple. Right. Yeah, it says we've been found sinners, which means, you know, just like missing the mark, you know, thinking that there's no lack, like, oh, there's no lack in life. Like, so there's nothing missing. And if I just do this, this and this, it's all figured out. And I think what Christianity calls us to do is to live in the lack, to live in the missing thing that it's why I don't like capitalism is capitalism promises us to make us whole. And I don't even think Christianity is offering to make us whole. I think it's offering to allow us to live and not being whole and allowing us to live in humanity and live in the contradiction that we all have within us. Um, it's kind of a Hegelian concept, but I really believe it's true. Um, and he goes to say, if I build up again the very thing that I once tore down, then demonstrate that I am a transgressor. So if I rebuild the law, if I create a new law, which I think the American church has done is just created brand new laws and new regulations and new ways to think and say, we've well, got to think. So the progressive church has one way. The, the, the mainline denominations have one way. The evangelicals have another way. And then we sit there and we just say, no, you're bad. No, you're bad. No, you're bad. Let me tell you why. And then we create another denomination. And then within that denomination, we realize that we don't agree. So then we go, I'm going to create another denomination that doesn't believe A, B, and C because now I've got it right. Yeah. And that's rebuilding the old law. It literally is. And that the church is notorious for it. It's right here. But we've continued to rebuild it. And 
basically just say why so many people don't want anything to do with the church or Christianity is because people see the bullshit. And that's what we've done is we've recreated the law over and over and over again. And so people see that and go, I don't want what you have. I don't want that. I'm not drawn to that. And I don't blame people. You know, I don't think these people would ever be held accountable by a loving, just God because of the confusion that we as the church have brought into their life in the Christian church. Yes. For though the law, I died to the law. Through the, for through the law, I died to the law, Paul says, so that I might live in God and have been crucified with Christ and is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So he's literally saying, I have been on the cross with Christ. I have suffered with Christ. I have felt the abandonment of God. I have had those moments, mm-hmm. and I suffer in that. You know, I think there's so much to that because I think there's those moments that we all feel like, "Where have you, God, why have you forsaken me? Christ felt that. I know Paul felt that. I know these other people felt that. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Which seems like so much more, like we want to make that so supernatural, but it's almost as like he's like, I've just become more human. I just see people, you know. And I know that that's not the great thing. People, oh, I'm colorblind, or oh, I'm on this. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's just saying that I see humanity. I, 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 I see something that, that the reason why we should go to the table and have these tough decisions, why I shouldn't just be like, all right, well, Peter's written off for what he did rather than confronting Peter. By confronting Peter, he made the change. By confronting others, we can make a change. And by that very moment of that face-to-face moment, we can recognize one another's humanity and by that begin the process of grace. And the life now that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died, death died for nothing. So the idea is, because I, I believe that Paul was into atonement theory, I, I have some disagreements with atonement theory, but that's not today's talk. Um, but what Paul is saying is, is when we rebuild these systems, when we rebuild these laws, grace doesn't exist. Because grace that can't, you know, grace is like anarchy, you know. It doesn't, it's a respecter of no law. Mm. No, that's a simplification of grace and anarchy, but it just says... Grace moves. Grace is unfair. Grace is unjust. That's the beautiful thing about Christian love Mm. and the love that comes from understanding of this book and and from Christ and from what Paul is saying is this this letting go of of the hierarchy and seeing each other's humanity and giving one another grace, even if that grace is by confronting, because I think we see that happen very clearly with Paul and Peter. And um, interesting, I wanted to know what happened to James. But... You know, for that today, that is that that is really what I'm asking is, are we committed to ending the cycle of us and them uh, by using double standards? You know, can we take a second and maybe recognize our own hypocrisies before we, you know, the log in our eye before we take the speck out of the other person's mm-hmm. eye? You know, I think that's it's, it's very important for us right now. And if we want to see see that we've got to get out of this mindset of war. I'm going to go on to that again, that mindset of war, that the other deserves what they get yep. and um, move through that and be peacemakers. You know, as the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. And if we're really called to be peacemakers, then we're really called to do a lot of hard work and have a lot of hard conversations. 
And maybe that's what it's dying to yourself. It's dying to the I've got to be right instinct or I've, I, I can't have a good conversation without just being angry. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's controlling our tempers as dying to ourselves. I know that in, 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 in therapy, uh, you know, a lot of what I've learned is how to like let thoughts go by. Not that they were bad that I was having these thoughts, but that, that I just didn't have to surrender to these certain thoughts. And a lot of those thoughts were panic or I'm dying or things like that. But then later it became I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm resentful. You know, this person's trying to do this but realizing I have to have a relationship with that person and allowing those thoughts to move through and find ones that are constructive and how I can work with them. But I, you know, I don't have to live that way. And I also have to realize that there's people who disagree with me a lot in this world. Um, but ultimately, what does that do to me? And you know, when it starts to affect people I love and others, how do I make that into a change? Um, but just not surrendering to the war mentality. I just think there's this concept of that we just want to go straight to war. And... Uh, that's going to keep us from communicating well. It's going to keep us from arguing well um, and disagreeing well. And uh, I hope that what we can find is a way to disagree well and, and get away from this uh, self-hypocrisy that it's so hard for us to recognize. And I think that's, you know, maybe once we realize we have it ourselves, then we see the hypocrisy in others, uh, we'll see a place for grace and restoration. You know, maybe you'll get in the car and go sit down and talk to somebody or send an email or talk to somebody who knows somebody who can talk to somebody, um, you know. But yeah, everybody's got different work. And, and what, one of the things is one of the things I don't feel like why I have to cover everything here is because I see a lot of people doing great work out there and, and, and online and on social media. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I see a lot of people doing great work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can rest and go like, oh, I don't have to do everything. But um, I have to do my job. And today I, I've done my job uh, the, to the best of my ability um, in this crazy time. Because honestly, I, I didn't want to be here this morning. You can ask Caleb. I probably texted him five times yesterday and I was thinking of ways of just to be like, <laughs> Caleb, I don't feel so good. Um, but we did it anyway. My dog at my home. I, uh. and, and I have to blame Martin Luther King Jr. I saw his, the, the last talk he gave last night. Um, Killer Mike out in Atlanta, the hip-hop artist, shared it. And I was done. I actually even sent a text or a tweet. Not a text. I don't have... Bernice King's text, but if you have her phone number, I'd love it. Um, I sent her a thing, and you're saying, like, listen, I saw something about your dad last night, because I know it's important to hear that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. And just said, listen, I, I didn't want to, I don't want to do it today, but I saw something with your father, and it reminded me that I can only do the best I can do, and I've got to do it with love and grace, and just wanted to let you know that, you know, your, his, your dad is still keeping us all going, so many of us going. So, with that, we're going to do Afterglow, um, I guess, you know, we almost got an hour, but I think we can go a few minutes on Afterglow and, and I'll try to be as graceful and mercy as possible if you handle with care. Yes. Awesome. As I think I've been, my couch has been sinking while I've been talking to you. I'm like, so anyway. <laughs> we'll have to get you some uh, phone books to sit on next time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, great message, Jay. Um, that one really hit home for me personally and hit home for a lot of people because of all of the insightful comments that we got. So let's start with those, and if we have time afterwards, maybe I'll throw in a couple thoughts I had, or you and I can talk about them on the drive home. Okay. <laughs> um, Zoe says, what about Q followers? Are they believing things that are untrue? Do you disagree with the things Q says? I'm not a Q expert, but I, from what I know, I disagree with a lot of things they say. Um I think, I mean, if you've saw to say victims of misinformation, 
I think those folks probably are, are, are huge victims of misinformation. Yeah. And I think right now we're in a perfect storm for that type of thing with conspiracy theories when we're all stuck at home on our computer. Yeah, totally. You know, um, you know, I would say really, really have to be careful of what you say. And, and, um, but the same, this, the, the talk I just gave is for those people too. You know, it's, 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 you know, how do we sit down and go, Hey, you know, you might be a victim of misinformation and, um, maybe explain to them why. Yeah. And it might be just your own humanity. Yeah. That's a tricky one. I, yeah, that's a tricky one. Uh, Tim says, so, love for each other is more important than the issues. That's pretty profound. Um, I would agree with that. Um, defining the issues as, um, maybe, uh, political divides, party politics, um, the, the, the handful of issues that many voters base their entire, um, vote on you know but i would on i but i would honestly i'm gonna I, I don't know where you're going and i might be jumping the gun on this but i would honestly you have to have love that way in every situation because if you're loving that way in every situation if you're loving your enemy then you're already love and your enemy is hurting other people you're already loving those people yeah so it's a tool that i think is invaluable i think it's tough to keep up because i think we become jaded by the way humans treat each other and by the way humans treat us as well. I think it's easy to be jaded. And I, I honestly can't say that that's bad because I know a lot of people who are hurt and jaded. So I can't say that, you know, don't be jaded. You know, that's so much easier said than done. I mean, it's just easy for me to sit here and give you a talk and then tell you certain things. Yeah. Um, but I understand being jaded. I, I've done it in many different types of ministry where I've been jaded by groups of people and just been like, oh, I just want to give up. Um, but I also found that that's a time for rest. You know, that's a time to recollect your thoughts and it's time to reach out to people around you and say, Hey, this is where I'm at. What's going on, you know, and other people who maybe have gone through mental breakdowns, which I've have, you know, and, and kind of looking at like the lies that sometimes are, we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. and, and mental health even tells us. Yeah. And I would say that love for each other bleeds into the issues, you know? Yeah. You'd hope so. You know, I feel like there's some people who, who issues are, are a financial gain too, you know? Well, yeah, power, they can bleed into the issues selfishly well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just as easily as any so other. I way. think love is something that we all have to keep a check on. Amen. Nathan says, couldn't it be a failed idea that we live in two separate worlds? I don't know. Grew up like you around a lot of these folks. A failed idea that we live in two separate worlds. Does that mean living in two separate no, worlds I mean, is no, a failure? Yeah, no, yeah, I think it is. I okay. think it is a failure. Uh, well, I wasn't sure if that's what he was expressing. Oh, no, I think that is what he's expressing. Okay. And, um, yeah, I think we've, we've failed. And, and, and we're, you know, what I hope we're doing is that we're going to try to say, hey, we've screwed up, you know, and let's try to change this and, and make things better. And I think that's why people are doing things that they're doing is because they think that they're going to change things and make things better. I don't think right. anybody's doing it out of being like, eh, 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 yeah. you know, I just think some of it's just very misguided and some of it's out of insecurity. And some people think the world's changing so much from what, when they were a kid or what they imagine was when they were there America, you know? So I think that that's, you know, that's why we have to, we have to grow and learn. You know, we have to be willing to teach even those who don't want to be teached that's the hard, that's the hard work, you know, is, is how do we do that? And, yeah. and that comes through a lot of patience and kindness. Um, it's tough work. So I, I know that I'm asking you to climb a mountain that, that you might not survive. Um, but 
I'm going to be with you if you do. So, yeah. Yeah. The bipartisan system, I could go for days and days and days about that, but I won't right now. Um, Shale says, your dad is smart, 100%. <laughs> Thank you, Shale. Nathan uh, pipes in again and says, I am intrigued to study more the work that goes into de-radicalizing young people, whether they are former white supremacist, terrorist, or even neo-Nazi. Yeah, any, any form of radical, um, radical thought or ideation that can easily be um, turned into action, perhaps violent action, is uh, a recipe for disaster. Well, I also think we also have to take aware of that people involved in radical communities are sometimes part of just their surroundings also might be part of our of us. We may have made them go there yeah. by rejecting them. Um, I mean, what do you do when you're canceled? Where do you go? Well, yeah. you, you, you right. look for a community that will bring you in. And the punk rock community in, in high school, I knew a lot of kids who were skinheads, um, Nazi skinheads. And the reason they were Nazi skinheads is because they were saying, you guys treated me like shit. These people love me and care about me. And so we share this hate for another group of people. We scapegoat this whole other group of people. But when we hang out, I feel loved. I feel comfortable. They, they respect me. They think I'm cool. They think I'm worthy of love. And if I have to give up love for other people, why not? Because you've all done, obviously done that to me by not loving me. So that's what I'm going to do. So I saw a lot of people who are lonely and hurt get drawn into that, you know, out of their own pain, out of the fact that they weren't accepted and loved by others. Mm. So I think we have to sometimes wonder, like, when I'm being so harsh or I'm being so cool or I'm being, you know, oh, I'm, I'm fucking hurt and I'm, I'm edgy. Mm. You know, when we're doing that stuff, are we pushing people into that? I, mean, I have a friend of mine who was a Democrat and um, I, I saw him posting all this like really conservative stuff. And I was like, hey, man, did you get hacked? What's going on? You know, and he's like, no, he's like, I've just been so treated so poorly by my fellow Democrats and liberals. And, and I, I feel all this scapegoating going on that it just pushed him to the other side. Right. You know, it just said, I, I don't want anything to do with it anymore. I, I can't handle it. I want to go somewhere where I'm, I'm accepted. Mm. And, um, and it's often what we see in the church that that happens. There's this pendulum. People leave the church and oh, I, I don't believe in that shit anymore. And I'm over here, but they're still angry and they're still mad and they're yeah. still hurt. And the thing is, is that the legalism sticks with you. Yes. The certainty sticks with you. The need to uh, to 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 show that you're right, or yes. the, the um, virtue si- virtue signaling still sticks with you. It just it just you know, all, <laughs> mostly the things you didn't like still stick with you, and yeah. you've just given up this system <laughs> and moved into another system. Yeah. And um, often we're the ones pushing them to go do that. Um, but a lot of those folks I've seen come out somewhere in the middle and kind of become human beings as well. Yeah, but it, I just think, can we shorten the process? It can be a process. <laughs> it can be a long process. That's for sure. Anything else? Absolutely. Uh, a few more things. I was going to say quickly that, that kind of reminds me of like that game, Mad Libs, where you just, you just uh, take a blank and you fill in a different word. Right. Like, <laughs> once you swing to the other <laughs> side, instead of being a Christian apologist, you become an uh, atheist apologist. Um, okay, uh, just a couple more real quick here. Um, Amanda says, agreed, Jay Media has such great control. Christy says, this, the media, social media, is like the ultimate telephone game. Good one. Good comparison. Uh, Zoe says, so what do we tell people like our friends who are into Q conspiracy theories? We can sit down and understand them all we want. At the point, we 
do look folks in the eye and say, what you believe is dangerous, untrue, and potentially violent, please stop. I love you. That's, what, that's what Paul did in this situation. Yeah. Please stop. I mean, they are here listening right now, right? Says, no, I mean, that's, so. that was, that's what Paul did. Um, right. And, and honestly, I, I feel like everybody's afraid of what the reaction will be. And the reaction might be angry and screaming and them saying, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I've had a few of those reactions in my lifetime, and especially in my work. And I You've just, also had those people come back uh, well, to you. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. And in the same way, I've seen people come back in months or years and come back and say, yeah, I saw it, but I didn't see it right away. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I think it's also a process. I mean, it took them a process to get where they're at and to believe what they believe, you know, and to go down the rabbit hole. Um, it's also a process to get out of that rabbit hole. It's also a process to, to, to start thinking differently. And, um, but that does come from hearing different opinions and different thoughts and yeah. uh, helping people kind of free themselves a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's a harder time to do that because we're all, you know, supposed to be stuck in our houses. Yeah. And, and, and such a shift of worldview requires personal realizations and personal uh, convictions. And you cannot just up and provide that for yeah. someone. You can encourage them towards those experiences, but you can't just put a new thought in somebody's head. Let's try to get through these since we're almost we're, over an all. hour. That's all. Yeah. That's it? I saw Angel wrote something. It didn't pop up in my feed. I saw it pop up in yours, but I can't oh, read it. Oh, okay. That's weird. Can you read it? Why am I getting feeds? I don't know if it's... Because Zoe said some more stuff, and Joanna said some stuff. The last comment comment I had was from Zoe. Well, that is getting pretty specific. There are a lot of things... Oh, no, that continues to go on. So let's see. Um, Angel, what did the angel say? We haven't read from Angel in a while. Let's hear from our buddy Angel. Let's hear. That's the thing. We fail to see that desperation to find the answer. We go from one side to another. Mm-hmm. This could be the result of living in a u- utilitary binary ecosystem. I agree with that, Angel. <laughs> All our lives, yep, needing to be in the place that uh, that'll other us certainty. Other us, certainly. Certainty. Yeah, no, it's true. It does kind of bring us into this. Even being the other is sometimes yeah. interesting. I think of that song, I want to be a minority, uh-huh, down yeah, with yeah. the moral majority, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, I've been thinking lately, like I, I've, I haven't felt like this line of work has been very dangerous lately, and I feel like it's a little gotten a little bit more dangerous, and there's a part of me that's like, oh, this sucks, and there's another part of me that's like, danger is my middle name, you know? <laughs> so, it's, yeah. It's especially dangerous when you're born into a system who hands you a, a scapegoat on a silver platter. And says, yeah. Here's the enemy. Here's who calls who causes all of your problems. Yeah. You know, bad theology. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for taking the time with us today. Thanks for sharing. I know this isn't an easy subject, and I'm not trying to give you all the answers, um, but I hope this encouraged you mm-hmm. to to think differently and maybe show a little more grace to the other and. Um, all we can do. Yeah. We, we, we've got a long road. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just walk through it together. Let's be this community together. And let's go through it together. Love you all very much. Um, stay up. Take time to yourself. Maybe take a break from social media. And uh, know we're here if you need us. Bye-bye. Can I say a little something, something sure. real quick? Uh, we're on YouTube now. So check us out on YouTube. 
Um, we're, we're posting all of these on YouTube along with some little bite-sized food for thought. So you can find some material on there that you wouldn't find elsewhere. So please find us on YouTube.com. We're on YouTube. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love you. Our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. That was a post-Christian podcast.